Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Summer Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's my privilege to be with you again. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate that. It's Wednesday, August 17th. Today, we're continuing in our study of 1 Corinthians, taking on tough issues. And by the way, we've only got a couple of more weeks left, and we're going to complete this incredible 13-week journey. If you've missed any of the previous studies, you can catch up right here on this media platform. Now, last week, we focused on love, the greatest of all gifts of the Spirit. We were reminded that everything we do should be motivated by love. Otherwise, it has no meaning. Today, in part 11, we'll talk about gifts and worship, and we'll consider two other spiritual gifts that caused some controversy in the Corinthian church and can still cause controversy today, prophecy and other languages, or ecstatic and foreign languages. We'll also look at worship and the use of gifts in worship. More in a moment, but right now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that you've given us again to study your word. Thanks for all that have come to listen and or watch today. Lord, I just thank you for them. I just ask you to bless them and their families. And may we grow together in the knowledge and love of Jesus. In your holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Prophesying and speaking in tongues are spiritual gifts that many of us never see or experience. But we do like to think about and plan for the future. And sometimes we even try to communicate with others who speak a different language. Here's a couple of opening questions that are designed to help us talk about our experiences in these areas. First question, here we go. If the kids with whom you grew up could have prophesied a future for you, what do you think they would have said? That you were most likely to succeed? Maybe most likely to end up in jail? Perhaps most likely to end up on the stage? Maybe you were destined for a life of flipping burgers? Or they prophesied you're destined for a life without having love? Perhaps you were destined to change the world? What would it be? You know, I can't even venture a guess as to what those kids would have thought of because we never talked about things like that. That never came up. Now, keep in mind, I'm talking about me and my neighbors growing up as young kids. But in high school, totally different story. As we're teenagers now getting ready for a major life-changing step after high school. Again, my friends at the time didn't say anything, but sometimes they might write something in your yearbook, you know, when you're graduating about Hope you do well in the future, that kind of thing. But curiously, my high school guidance counselor said something. She said she thought that one day, based on the conversations we'd had and just in general dialogue, that I'd be a minister. Unbelievable. Who knew? God knew. That's it. All right, second question. Have you ever been in a place where you couldn't speak the language? How did you feel at the time? And what did you learn in the process? Well, absolutely. I've been many places, both in and out of the United States, where I couldn't speak the language and didn't understand what was being said. At this point in my life, though, it's happened so many times that my reaction is a lot different than it was first many years ago. Many, many years ago, I felt intimidated by that kind of a situation because I thought the people might be talking about me, making fun of me, criticizing me, and so forth. Now, it doesn't bother me in the least. I've learned to accept it and try to understand it. I've also learned that a smile is a universal way to communicate. Here's our last opening question. When do you have the greatest need for an interpreter? Maybe when you're trying to get something across to your kids, 
Maybe you're trying to get something across to your spouse. Maybe when you're with a group of teenagers and they're using their own language. Maybe you're trying to read a government document. Now I've been there a few times. How about when you're trying to read the easy instructions on that new electronic product? What would it be? When do you need an interpreter? For me, I've experienced all those possibilities, including when I'm trying to communicate with people in church. Yes, that's right. Now, it doesn't happen very often, but there have been times when I've been speaking and I get that deer in the headlights stare from folks. And I need someone to come between and say, look, this is what I'm really trying to say. It's in those moments I sure wish I had an interpreter. Amen. All right, let's go deeper here. Most international airports today have multiple languages going out over those echoing intercoms and loudspeakers. It can be quite noisy and very confusing at times. In today's passage, Paul writes about the confusion spiritual languages can bring to the church and, as a result, make worship chaotic instead of orderly. Follow along as I read today's text, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We have two sections of scripture, verses 1 to 12, and then verses 26 to 33a, in other words, the first part of verse 33. And while I'm reading this and you're following along, note how spiritual gifts and worship should always build up the church every time, folks. Are you ready? Here we go. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 12. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know that they're being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have these special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. And now let's read 26 through 33a. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach. Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy, and let the others evaluate what is said. 
But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Amen. All right, let's get to studying. For question number one. Verse one reads, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the abilities, the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Here's the question. What does Paul mean that the Corinthians should desire the special abilities of the Spirit, and why the gift of prophecy? First, Paul said they should desire the special abilities. To desire the gifts literally means to pursue, to strive for, to seek after, and or aspire to. The special abilities that Paul wanted the Corinthians to seek were those that edified the church, namely prophecy. The gift of prophecy didn't have as much to do with predicting the future as it did bringing some message from God under the direction of the Holy Spirit to the body of believers. This gift provided insight, warning, correction, and encouragement. Number two, look at verses two through five. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. The question is this, what is the difference between speaking in tongues and prophesying, and in what sense is prophecy better than speaking in tongues. The gift of prophecy should be desired more than the gift of tongues. We read that clearly here, because the ability to speak in tongues does not help other people since they won't be able to understand you. Although Paul himself could speak in tongues, he stressed prophecy because it benefits the entire church, whereas speaking in tongues primarily benefits the speaker. The purpose of prophecy is helping others grow in the Lord, encouraging and comforting them. The one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Through prophecy, believers are taught more about the Lord and their faith so they can grow as a body. The person who speaks in tongues, though, is strengthened personally in the Lord. Such personal edification is truly a blessing for the one who has received this gift. Paul never wrote disparagingly of the gift of tongues, only the Corinthians' overemphasis of it. In fact, he even wished that they all had the gift of speaking in tongues, for the gift had a great value for individuals in their private communication with God. Now, Paul says in verse 5 that prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. What I believe he means here is the one who prophesies helps others to grow and encourages and comforts them. The one speaking in tongues realizes a wonderful relationship with the Lord, but has edified no one else unless someone interprets what's been said so the whole church can benefit from it. Apparently, the Corinthian believers were exhibiting the gift of tongues in public worship without interpretation, and that wasn't helping anyone. In fact, they thought they were better believers, a higher status of believers, because they had that gift, and they looked down on other believers who didn't. Number three, verses six through nine read, 
Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know that they're being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. Here's the question. In these verses, Paul uses different pictures to compare and contrast tongues and prophecy. What are they? And what does this say about the weakness of the gift of tongues or speaking in other languages? In Corinth, the gift of tongues was being used as a barometer of spirituality, much like what I said in the previous answer. So Paul described the natural inferiority of a gift that does not edify. He goes on to argue his point with different pictures. First, musical instruments make only noise if no one can recognize the melody. If an instrument is to make beautiful sounds that benefit the listener, the sounds must be played clearly. For example, the bugler was important in a battalion of soldiers. With different note combinations, the bugler would sound the wake-up call. He'd sound the call to retire for the evening or the call to battle. However, if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, the soldiers will be left in confusion, not knowing whether or not they're being called into battle. Mere sounds are not beneficial. Only sounds that make sense and are understood by the hearers are helpful. Number four, verses 10 through 12 read, There are many different languages in the world and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand the language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you're eager to have these special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Once again, Paul admonishes the Corinthians regarding their desire for spiritual gifts. What is he talking about? That's the question. Because the Corinthians had been so eager to have these special abilities of the Spirit, Paul admonished them to ask God for spiritual gifts that would strengthen and help the whole church. The church as a whole should strive to have the gifts that build up its members. It should support those who serve in those capacities, and it should redirect its zeal, its excitement, its fervor from a desire to speak in tongues to a desire to serve the Lord in the best way that will build up the church. That's a great lesson for us today as well. Number five, verse 26 says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. The question is, in what ways did people contribute to worship in the early church? Well, we have some insight right here in this verse. Paul lists several things that each person may contribute and doesn't insist every person must contribute. Very important to note. These include a hymn, perhaps from the Psalms, a lesson, most likely from one with the gift of teaching, a revelation, perhaps by someone with the gift of prophecy, speaking in a tongue, followed by someone exercising the spirit gift of interpretation by describing what was just said in the language of those present. Number six, verse 29 says, 
let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. Here's the question. Here Paul places regulations on prophetic speaking and evaluation. What is he saying and why is that important for us today? Although prophecy was the particular gift that Paul had recommended to the believers at Corinth, he also realized that its use had to be regulated by love, edification, and order. Just as only two or three people were allowed to speak in tongues, as verse 27 and 28 say, only two or three should prophesy. It's unclear who the others that are referred to are. They could be others who also have that gift, but exercise it at that time, not by speaking, but by evaluating what's said, or the others could refer to the congregation as a whole, discussing a prophet's words to make sure they agreed with scripture. People in the church then and now should never accept the words of any person, gifted or not, without careful discernment and personal knowledge of God's word. Otherwise, false teachers could easily obtain a hearing and lead people astray. And now our last question for today, verses 32 and 33a. They say, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The question is, what do these verses say about God's sense of order regarding spiritual gifts and worship? This verse appears to wrap up Paul's thought about how the gifts of tongues and prophecy should be expressed in church services. First, Paul refers to his statement that the spirit of a prophet is subject to that person. This means a person is in full control of when he starts and stops expressing a spiritual gift. God's Holy Spirit does not take a person over in the sense that they lose control of themselves and awareness of their surroundings. This reality is true because of God's character. God is not a God of confusion. It contradicts his nature to suggest his Holy Spirit takes a congregation over such that all were forced to speak at the same time as listeners sit without any idea of what's being said. Design, intent, and orderliness are aspects of God's character. These are reflected in how he operates in the world and among his people, and it should be reflected even in our church services. Paul describes this character trait of orderliness as peace, meaning that God values peace and acts in ways that contribute to peace instead of chaos. Amen. All right, well, folks, that brings us to the end of today's study. We're already there. Now let's recap what we talked about. Today we finished this discussion of spiritual gifts by seeing how they're used in worship, and we were reminded that all gifts are to be used to build up the body of Christ and that they should bring order and not chaos to our worship. Next time, we're going to study 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 28, and we're going to consider Christ's resurrection and the centrality of that resurrection to the Christian faith. I hope you'll join us. You don't want to miss. It's going to be a great journey into the word again, 1 Corinthians 15. Well, thanks again for taking time to join me. I so appreciate it. We are grateful that you would come and join us here at Word of Hope in this way. Please take care. Have an amazing rest of your day and week. I'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. 
Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.